You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, and I am joined by Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. So uh, welcome back, Kyle. Uh, Yes, good to be back. Kentucky takes care of business at Vanderbilt in that first half. It looked like Kentucky might get run out of the gym. Uh, it was it was brutal. Vanderbilt hit eight threes in that first half. Uh, they out-rebounded Kentucky. Uh, they were, I think they had 10 assists at Vanderbilt to Kentucky's two. Uh, offensive glass uh, it was in Vanderbilt's favor. Second chance points, plus five was Vanderbilt. Everything was Vanderbilt in that first half, and it was just what uh, John Calipari had feared, is if Vanderbilt makes those threes, they're going to have a tough time winning that game. And that's what was happening. In the second half, a complete turnaround. A big part of the end of the first half, I thought, was Emmanuel quickly getting fouled on a three, where he's able to make three of those and get that lead down. His total new specialty, apparently. Yeah. So he's able to get the lead down to 36-27 at halftime. In the second half, John Calipari said that he was, and, and Hagen said it too, and Maxie, that, that Calipari was calm in the locker room, and he just said, hey, uh, they made eight threes, uh, and you guys missed a, like eight one-footers, so that's going to happen. You're going to be down. Now let's just go back here, play through Nick Richards, and so um, right from the beginning of the second half, Richards had a block, led to Hagen's layup in transition. Then they went to Richards inside. It's a five-point game. They had what I thought was a chance where I thought, oh, this is just not going to be their night. Because right after they had cut it to 36-31, Kentucky had back-to-back block shots. And on each of those, it was transition layups that were missed. And what could have been uh, a one-point game turned out to be a uh, back to an eight-point lead yep. because Saban Lee came down and hit a three. So that was like two – it was 17.43 left in the second half. So early on. So there was plenty of time, but it just looked like, oh. It's yeah, those are the kinds like of – those are the kind of sequences where, you, where when they've sort of started slowly, you think, yeah, this is just not their night. But from there right. on, I mean, you know, I think – as bad as Vanderbilt is generally, one, they're playing better. Obviously, they, they ended their losing streak to beat LSU. But um, as bad as Vanderbilt is, I think this ends up being a pretty good win because you're down 14 in the first half, because you almost blow your chance to come back early in the second half. And then for the rest of the second half, it was complete domination. Yeah. In, the, in the second half, they outscored Vanderbilt 51-28, to 28, so by 23 points. Right. They shot 61% from the field. They made all four of their threes. They made nine of ten free throws. By the way, I have a piece coming out soon uh, about their free throw shooting. Their mm. overall free throw shooting is ridiculous, but their free throw shooting in the clutch is staggering. Um, Emmanuel quickly, in the final five minutes of regulation and overtime, uh, in, in single-digit uh, margin games, yeah. Since since the Louisville game is 30 of 30 from the free throw line. <laughs> he has not missed. 
Yeah. But but even more impressive, Nick Richards is twenty five of twenty seven. Uh, in those in those clutch moments, which is outrageous for a big man, absolutely yeah. outrageous. And tonight they they ended up when they they missed two free throws all night. Um, it was sixteen of nineteen, I think. Yeah, they. But anyway, we'll get to that. We'll talk about that uh, later in the week. Um, but you know, I just think in general, and then we talk. You talk about they got out rebounded all that the three pointers. They out rebounded Vanderbilt twenty three to ten in the second half. Um, yeah, they held Vandy to three of eleven after they made eight or nine in the first half. Uh, from three, just I, I I think considering all the factors like Vanderbilt's playing hot, they kind of have nothing to lose. Um, the fact that Kentucky could easily have overlooked this game, it's like ugh, it's Vanderbilt. Uh, the fact that they're on the road and they get down big early, and then from that point on, just completely smash that team. Right. Uh, you know, from the point they were down fourteen, they end up winning by fourteen, so they outscored them by twenty eight over the final, like, 23 minutes of the game. Yeah. I mean, they, they dropped the hammer, and that's the thing we haven't seen Kentucky do, right? I mean, we haven't seen them really drop the hammer. It doesn't feel like they dropped the hammer in the final score, but I think they did. I mean, I think they really did kind of drop it in that second half. Well, they came out with a lot more energy and effort, especially on the glass in the second half. And uh, they were out-rebounded 22-20 at the half. And then um, offensive rebounds... Vanderbilt had the advantage there. Well, Kentucky winds up winning the offensive rebounds. Um, Vanderbilt was plus five in second chance points at halftime. Kentucky was 11 to nothing in the second ha- second chance points in the second half. And then those assist numbers completely turned around. It was 10-2 Vandy first half. It was 10-3 Kentucky second half. But they went on that big run um, where, you know, Maxi, you know, just was hot, uh, quickly finally hit a three. Um, and then it was it was like, uh, I think it was, in, it was a 22-4 run is what it wound up being by the time it was over there. Uh, and Kentucky got up by, or 24-4, actually. 59-48 uh, was six minutes to go. And then Vandy makes a little bit of a run again. When they make that run again, to cut it to 62-57... Emmanuel Quickly, who at this point in the game, when he does this, is two for nine. He had hit uh, a long jumper, and he had hit, um, I think, maybe a, a layup earlier. But he was like, he, was, he went 0 for 5 before he hits a 3. Then he's 1 for 7 before he hits the corner jumper. And then he's 2 of 9 by the time it comes to him for, for the 3, the back-to-back 3s. So he hits, he hits a back, back-to-back threes from the, in the last, like, over uh, with about four minutes to go to three minutes to go right there. And it takes it from a 62-57 game to a 68-57 game. Pretty much ball game. And that was it. Yeah. Yep. That was yeah, it I right mean, there. He finishes three of four from three, seven of seven at the free throw line. He's now 92.5% for the season uh, from, th- from the free throw line. Uh, he, Tyler Hero's school record is 93.5, so he's still chasing that down. Um, Maxi giving him 25 points on 17 shots. Right. 10 of 17 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3. Um, yeah. Ashton Hagens, who... Almost a triple-double. Almost a triple-double after missing... He was the guy, you know, the culprit on... I mean, it, it continues to, to defy logic, the way Ashton Hagens can miss layups. But yeah. I think overall, yeah. he... 
uh, shook off his slump, 11 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. I mean, those 10 rebounds are big. When you, yeah. when you get a guard uh, to come out and crash the glass like that. And then, you know, EJ Montgomery didn't, you know, have a huge game, but he had nine rebounds and, what, three blocks? Three blocks, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. They ended up blocking 11 or 12 shots. Nate Sestina, who got abused a little bit early defensively, ends up with a couple – one of the blocks was just a monster block. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nick Richards, I think, blocked three shots. He had 12.7 rebounds, three blocks. It was a pretty complete effort um, yeah. from them. You know, Keon Brooks didn't do a ton, but he came in and hit a couple shots when they were trying to put that thing away. Um, you know, I, I, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird when you to, to say they go and get down big and have to kind of scratch their way back to beat a bad Vanderbilt team to think it was a good win. But I, it's hard for me to feel like it wasn't uh, yeah. a really good win. On the road, yeah. We'll talk more about this game when the Lockdown Kentucky podcast continues. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. Kentucky with uh, with what we, I mean, it's a, you look at Vanderbilt and they're what, one and nine, uh, one and 10 now, but one and nine coming into the game in the conference, but they had beaten LSU last week and we had seen how they had played against Kentucky and Rupp Arena. To get down 14 in that game and and be able to come back and get, uh, like you said, a complete effort from so many guys. I mean, just rebounds alone. Like you mentioned, Ashton Hagens to get 10 rebounds. So Nick Richards gets seven. You expect that. Well, EJ Montgomery getting nine. Um, that's big for him to, yep. to do that. Emmanuel quickly grabs five. Tyrese Maxey grabs four. But EJ Montgomery, just one of three. Uh, shooting the ball, but he hits all four of his free throws. So he's able to get to the line. He grabs those nine rebounds uh, and he has three block shots. I mean, Kentucky blocks 12, 12. shots yeah. in the game. Uh, and EJ had, had some nice ones there. He was a plus 15. The only other guy with a better plus minus was Emmanuel quickly or the plus 17. So, you know, that's important too. Uh, yeah. I think Calipari said it after the game. He said, EJ made strides, but the biggest uh, before we go too far away, right now it is uh, three minutes to go in Baton Rouge, and LSU is up 72-71 on Missouri, and Missouri has led most of that game. Uh, Missouri had double-digit lead at, at one time, so we'll see how that turns out. And Missouri is, like, they are decimated by injury. Uh, I don't know how they're in that game. Like, yeah, one guy's, LSU's on the skids. Win or lose, LSU's really hit the skids here. This would be, what, three mm-hmm. losses in a row if they lose it, right? It would. Yes, it would. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, the other thing I would say about E.J. Montgomery uh, that is a sort of sneaky big thing for him, all this talk about free throws, he was 4-4 at the line. He's actually not been a good free throw shooter. He's like yeah. the one liability. That, that got his season average up to 62%. Um, you know, Nick Richards is over 75%. Um, everybody else in the starting lineup's over, like, 83%. Um, so, and, and EJ kind of stepped up when they need, and they were pressure, I mean, just about everything until the last few minutes of the game was pressure packed for Kentucky. So it was big for him to hit those free throws too. Um, but I, you know, I would say top of the list, uh, to me tonight, you know, it's good that Hagen's kind of shook it off a little bit. Uh, you know, it's great that Richards quickly did what we expected them. It was, I think, positive for Montgomery to, to have a, 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 a very positive um, contribution, but it's huge, I think, for I, 
is this the first time all season in what you would not consider a big marquee game that Tyrese Maxey just lit it up? You know, I mean, like usually yeah. he rises to that occasion, you know, and everybody's watching. But tonight, you know, nobody was watching that. That arena was pitiful. They were like, yeah, because he had twenty six against Michigan State and twenty seven against Louisville, and so this was twenty five. And he had another game so where he had like eighteen eight and eight. I can't. It was, a, but I think that was a pretty big game. Well, that was the Georgia game at Georgia when he was going up against Anthony Edwards. So like yes. his three biggest games have all been games that he thought were a big game. Um, so I think it was I think it was significant for him to rise up in a game where it wasn't a marquee game, but it was obvious Kentucky needed somebody to carry them, uh, and he became that guy. I mean, in the what do you have in the a dozen in the first half? More than that. Um, yeah, well, ten, ten in the first half, fifteen in the second half. Um, yeah, he was. I just think that was really big, and he had. Did he really have two blocks? So he ends up with twenty. Mm-hmm. He ends up with twenty five points. Four rebounds, two blocks, and two steals. I mean that—that's a pretty monster game from him. Super efficient offensive performance. Um, Thirty-eight minutes he played for them. Well, he hit ten of seventeen shots, as most field goals that he's hit in a game um, yeah. this year. But uh, it was funny. Calipari said in the post game that in the first half, because Maxi had uh, eight of Kentucky's first eleven points, and Calipari said in the post game, well. Uh, what we were running, we were running it to the wrong side of the court. It was meant to be run for quickly. He said, because I I want to start the game going to Emmanuel because we're so confident in how consistent he's been. So I want to start the game getting Emmanuel shots. Right. And so that's what we tried to do, but we ran our stuff to the wrong side of the floor, Hmm. and it wound up running it uh, to Tyrese. (laughs) <laughs> so, interesting. Yeah, it, Cal, Cal just does not want to give Tyrese Maxey much credit. It's well, tonight he did. He did actually. That was just part of what he said. But um, one of his first comments was, "He said Tyrese played with toughness to win for the first time this year." Okay. He stuck his nose in there for rebounds. He said most of the season he's been like acting like he's going in there to rebound, but he's waiting for somebody to go get it. He's getting in the area, but he's not really trying to go get the ball. This time, this game, he stuck his nose in there and went after it. And then he said he played through bumps for the first time in his college career. Every other time he gets contacted, he wants to shoot that fade away and just fade away. Well, he played through bumps and he had, and then he said, he told on himself, as course Calipari said, right. because he said, and I don't know how to get the statistics to confirm or refute what Calipari says on this one, but Cal said he had six deflections in the final ten minutes of the second half. Yeah, I have no idea. I, yeah, that's what. But if he, but his whole thing was, if you're do, if you're able to get and play that way then that's, that's it. I have to have it. Uh, well, and that's the thing that's interesting about Maxi is like he came in with a pretty high-end reputation as a defender. Like I thought he and I thought he and Higgins together were going to just be a terror uh, defensively in the backcourt. I mean, they have, and they largely have been. But, but yeah, I think, I think Maxi can do more defensively. And that may be one of those right. deals. I mean, Ashton Higgins talked about it. You kind of almost, as, especially as a freshman, when you don't know what kind of shape it takes, uh, physical shape you have to be in, you almost have to choose – where, which end you're going to play hard on, 
you know, yeah. and, and, and Ashton played yeah. hard on defense and basically admitted he ran out of gas. He couldn't even dunk the basketball by the end of last year. Uh, yeah. And it feels like Maxi has, has conserved all his energy for all the offensive end and maybe not giving them everything they want rebounding and defense. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's interesting that Cal said that. I, for po- folks who don't know, I'm, I'm, I wasn't at Vanderbilt tonight. Um, I appreciate Dan uh, taking the reins last night on the podcast. <laughs> I stepped away. We'll just uh, we'll leave it at that. It's nothing untoward. But uh, uh, I'll be back in the saddle this weekend uh, for the Ole Miss game. But um, I didn't uh, obviously didn't hear Cal's comments. But that's I think it is good that he finally relented and gave him some praise because I, he has been hard on Tyrese Maxey mm-hmm. and he he, does, he picks a guy to do that. And I think in some ways it's an honor. And if the guy takes it the right way and, and takes it as an honor. Um, it helps. Uh, not just a couple weeks ago, I thought it was really interesting. Tyrese said that um, I think Tony Barbie came to him and said, "Like you're listening to how loud Cal's being and not mm-hmm. what he's saying. You know, like the words he's saying and not what he's trying to communicate." Um, and and he said, and he admitted that he had let it affect him. Um, and so maybe he's turning a corner, realizing like, oh, well, he's not. He doesn't just think I suck, and he's not just crushing me every day to crush me like he he thinks I can be, <laughs> yeah. he's, he thinks I can be great and he's trying to pull that out of me um so I think that's it is good when when guys like that who've had who've kind of been pounded on all year when they when they do it right and they hear you did it right is I think it's valuable to them and uh with 13 seconds left LSU leads Missouri 78 75 uh, so we, we'll we'll know how that here. turns out here uh, by the end of uh, this podcast. Uh, but well, we'll take another break right now, and when we come back, uh, something else very interesting that Calipari said. I hadn't heard this before, and I thought it was great. Um, was something he said about Nate Sestina. Uh, and we'll, we'll discuss that next when the Locked On Kentucky podcast continues. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Kentucky is a great way for your local business to reach passionate UK fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with UK fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Kentucky podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com forward slash advertising and let us know who you are we'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success once again text the word advertising to 33777 or visit locked forward slash advertising we look forward to hearing from you this is locked on kentucky your team every day okay we're back here on the locked on kentucky podcast and uh, it looks like uh, LSU maybe at the free throw line trying to put this thing away. Uh, but, you know, of course, the reason we're paying attention to that so much is if LSU were to lose, that would be three in a row for the Tigers. And Kentucky would have uh, would, would move ahead of LSU in the standings there. And then I think Auburn plays on Wednesday. Um, I was looking for the exact quote. And when you look at what Sestina did, he had three blocks. Calipari says, he he made the analogy of Carl Malone, and and I I couldn't hear the player. That's why I was hoping to find the the quotes the on this because I couldn't hear the other player that he was talking about. But he's talking about NBA, and one player 
uh, that I guess Calipari was coaching and, and Carl Malone. And the guy's like, I, I'm not, I can't stop Carl Malone. Like, what am I going to do tonight guarding him? And Cal's like, yeah, I don't think you can guard him either. <laughs> and uh, he's like, he's probably going to get like 30 on you. So, you know, and the guy was like, well, what am I going to do? Cal was like, well, get 33 on him. <laughs> he said, said, so I'm telling Nate, my point to him is don't, don't focus on what you can't do. So right. if you're going to give up, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten points on whoever, you know, you're guarding, well, then come back and give us 10, 12 points the other way. Don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what you can do for us. Right. Which I thought was interesting because Calipari is so defensive-minded, but he's like, at this point, he's like, well, look, Nate. Right. Nate's got <laughs> you're some not gonna be able, yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be able to guard these guys, so just go out there and hit about three threes on them and – you know, keep him to seven points, and we're plus two, and we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, part of that is is on the the staff. They're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to draw up some offense to get Nate shots. They're going to have to pick and pop him. And I mean, they did that in the what was it, the Auburn game, and he went over three from three. You know, and they had mm-hmm. he had the open looks. They just didn't go down. But I think with him, you keep going to that because you know he can make them, and he and he will make them. Um, you know, you hope. You hope that he gives you 70% of the guy that you saw against Ohio State when he was 5 of 8 from 3 and scored 17 points in like 20 minutes. Um, If you're going to play Nate Sestina any amount of time, to me it's illogical not to be drawing up offense for him. Um, And so if Cal – that's, I think, a great thought from Cal because, uh, you know, Nate has some real problems – Defending guys, the three blocks notwithstanding, like just staying in front of guys, you know, there's some matchups that are really bad for him defensively. But that's fine. He does give you something. Um, So if he's going to be on the floor, it's also on Cal and the coaching staff and the point guard to to get him looks. You know, if he's on the floor, he should be shooting jump shots, three-pointers. So – It'll, I'm curious to see if that's how Cal has sort of started to feel, if he's swung his opinion that way, uh, if he starts to game plan that way for Nate. I, I, think, so I, I think he's a weapon, you know? I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, his ability to hit the three and when the matchup is right, he can score in the post sure. as well. Well, that's the thing, too. I mean, matchup-wise, he can be a guy who gets you buckets inside, but it's got to be the right one. I, the, he didn't attempt a three-pointer tonight, but – I thought really interesting, and the the one one of the one of the reasons that I continue to think this team could, you know, obviously could lose in the first or second round, but also could go to the final four, is because they aren't, and, and it does drive some people crazy. They aren't rely relying on the three. They only mm-hmm. took nine threes. To, they only attempted nine. Vanderbilt yeah. made eleven. <laughs> And right. Kentucky only attempted nine. They were six of nine, so they shot it great. Three of four from Maxi, three of four from Quickly. But they only attempted nine threes. They only made six. And they won by 14 on the road against a team that took 28 and made 11. Um, yeah. They don't rely on the three. They do get fouled a lot. They shoot, you know, they had another 80, 84% at the free throw line tonight. They're over 80% for the season. Um, the more I think about them, the more I think they're kind of built for March and especially built for March uh, in a season like this where there aren't a lot of great teams. Yeah, I mean, your toughest challenge is going to be if somebody does get hot, and you just hope that they don't get hot and hit you know, on the other the eighteen three pointers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, because because it's more reliable 
that you would, I mean, the percentages are in your favor that you're going to hit your free throws and that you're going to be able to score high percentage shots in the post. Right. Yeah, of course, more so than obviously jacking up threes. But all right, so I found the quote so that I have this exactly right. Um, my thing is no excuses and no cop outs. You are what your stats say you are. If you're not playing well, don't put it on someone else. I just told Nate today I had Keith Van Horn. They had no idea who he was, and we were playing the Utah Jazz, and they had a guy named Carl Malone. Keith said to me, I can't guard him. How am I going to guard him? What should I do? I said, hmm, I don't think you can guard him either. Here's my guess. He's going to get 30 points on you. Get 32 on him, and we'll even this thing out. So I'm telling Nate, you're getting beat pretty bad on stuff. Uh, Give it up six, eight points. Score nine. Make some baskets. Don't worry about what you don't do. Worry about what you do for us. And they had no idea who Carl Malone was. The whole oh no, oh no, <laughs> or probably Keith Van Horn, who was an unbelievable college player at Utah. Yeah, uh, was he on the Utah team that beat Kentucky, or played Kentucky? Um, I don't not beat think Kentucky. So. Kentucky beat Utah, right? Uh, yeah, that's before my. I time. don't think that was Tubby Smith in um, in the championship game. I don't. Know that it was Keith Van Horn. I feel like they had another Keith star. Van Horn played at Utah. He left Utah in '97. Andre Miller. Oh yeah, Andre, Andre Miller was their big star. What a follow up to have Keith Van Horn and then have uh, and then have Andre Miller, Rick yeah. Majerus. Rest in peace, Rick Majerus. Their crazy. big guy was Michael Doliak. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all coming back to me now. Jeff Shepard, yeah. the MVP of that Kentucky team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Utah team was great, 30-3. and three. Um, As far as what uh, else Calipari had to say, um, I, I found this um, interesting, too. You know, the last few games, Hagens has had, you know, turnover issues. They've gone up. Like, I think it was um, – he had had four games in which he had five or more turnovers all season – until the last four games, and he had done it three times in the previous four games going into tonight, where he'd had five or more turnovers. So, you know, it was, it was becoming an issue. I think he was like, last five games, he had 25 assists and 22 turns, something like that. Yeah. So, of course, you know, this game against Vanderbilt, he was, he was outstanding. He only had two assists at halftime. He winds up with uh, eight for the game. Um do we think he didn't know that he was two assists from a triple double? Because at the end of the game, they were they were kind of, he was kind of letting uh, quickly run the show. Uh, well, he said I didn't know, and then he goes in for the dunk instead of leaving it for I think EJ. I think he had EJ right there with him. Yeah, and there were a said, couple opportunities where he could have gotten that triple double. He said I didn't know, and uh, I was going for that dunk. I was trying to catch a body. Catch a Yeah, it would have been impressive to have a triple double and have one turnover. I mean, you know, yeah, he could, have, he could have been eleven, ten, and ten with one turnover. That's, I mean, that number might be bigger than all the others for him to get to get back oh. down to you know to a single turnover when right. that's all everybody. Everybody, if you if you ask anybody, uh, if you bring up Ashton Hagens around Kentucky fans, it's like, what's going on with the turnovers? You know, that was that's been the story. So to get to one was big for him. Yeah, so he was. So Calipari said, Well, I'll read you the quote. He said, The whole thing with him is being disciplined as you play. So you're not trying to do crazy stuff because you're disciplined and you're focused. He's had a lot of turnovers the last five games. Prior to that, he hadn't had hardly any. So what's the difference? You changed as a player, you've changed how you're thinking, you're doing crazy stuff instead of what's easy. 
how do I stay focused and disciplined? But what he is physically uh, fighting screens. Did you see him push Nick out to the corner on that guy? He two-hand chucked him. Nick went flying because the guy was going to the corner and he was going to be wide open and Ashton just pushed him. That kind of stuff. Uh, but he said he said he was cramping up. He said, if you're wondering why I called a full timeout with two minutes to go, Ashton was cramping up. I said, if I have to burn another one, I will because I'm not taking you out. Yeah. Yeah, it's in, I, I, think, I think his commitment to Ashton Hagens tells you, like, it's easy to, to look at uh, specific things or certain things and, and judge a player. And as a coach, they're, they're, not, they're often looking at something else. Uh, and I don't think most of us, including me, just in general watching a game can appreciate all the stuff Ashton Hagens does across the board or even understand it because we can't hear what he's saying. We can't hear how much he's talking offensively, right. defensively. Uh, we don't know how the team responds to him, and I think they really do. I think they they this is Ashton's team. Yeah, uh, and then and, Calipari and, went on to say that as well. He said he has an air about him the other guys feed off of. He yeah, makes the other guys confident. Yeah, you have to, and I don't I don't think you know I don't think you can underestimate that um, even when he is turning the ball over, um, and I just think your defense absolutely falls apart without him. Um, yeah. So you know. Cal can frustrate people with his stubbornness and his commitment to certain guys, but I think it more often than not proves to be well-founded, and uh, and I think it'll be that with Ashton as well. All right, so LSU-Missouri is a final, 82-78. LSU moves to 9-2 and two in the SEC, as does Kentucky, both 9-2. and two. Um, uh, Tennessee beat Arkansas, like destroyed them, beat them by 21. Yeah, uh, wheels are Arkansas. falling off for Arkansas. Yeah, it's not good. They've lost to Isaiah Joe and they're and Mississippi State uh, was up on Ole Miss thirty four thirty three at halftime. Ole Miss beats Miss State eighty three fifty eight. Whoa! Absolutely destroys them. So now uh, Wednesday you have Alabama at Auburn. Auburn will be out for revenge. There's no way. Auburn lose that game to, to Alabama. So we'll go into the weekend with Auburn, Kentucky, and LSU. Likely all 9-2. and two. I would expect Auburn to get to 9-2 and two as well. Uh, so that'll wrap it up for this uh, edition of Locked on Kentucky. We will be back tomorrow with more. And uh, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter. I am at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right. Talk to you tomorrow, guys. Thanks for listening. Locked on Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. <laughs>